Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for providing this opportunity uh, to be in your house and for those who are online to be in their house, but, you know, that you, you gave them. And, uh, Lord, that you would be with each one of us. Um, and, Lord, I do pray that your, your word would come alive, that we would see all the things that you have uh, placed in there. And, um, and so, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, uh, that we would hear clearly and, and we would obey you and we would move in the direction you want us to move. Um, so, Lord, let us um, just see the depth and the richness of your word. And, Lord, I do ask that you would shape us so that we can live in our destiny that you've already planned before us. So, Lord, we lay down this time to you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, just uh, by uh, way of just quick announcements, uh, you know, we're, it's February. So, I don't know if you guys know, but we're already one month down. So, uh, January is all done. So, hopefully, you got all your, your New Year's resolutions in place, you know, because uh, you only got 11 more months left, right? And uh, February is going to go by even quicker, right? Because there's, there's, only, there's only 28 days, right? So, um, so uh, but, and then, uh, you know, and, uh, so, we, <laughs> sorry, I'm kind of getting a little excited. So, as far as different things going on, uh, we do, as you know, we have our uh, weekly men's and women's uh, ministry. So, don't miss out. I think we have a men's breakfast this weekend, uh, or next weekend, sorry. And then uh, we also have an interest meeting for the Thailand mission team. So, that's on February 12th. And then uh, that's, I think it's also the same day as the Super Bowl. So if you are not doing anything that day, uh, we do have uh, different parties going on. So, you, you know, uh, don't do it alone if you want to be with us, right? Because there's plenty of, plenty of things to do there. And I think there might be one for the youth, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, or no? Okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was, uh, you, know, uh, you know, sometimes you ask and you don't receive. So I didn't, I didn't receive on that one. So, uh, yeah, and then, um, so... Those are basically just the announcements. And then I do also want to encourage you guys. We, we love to pray with you and pray for you. So we do have uh, prayer cards in the back of this, uh, the seats. And then online, you can email us at info at summitwaterlife.com. And you can go through the website, too. And again, it can be praise reports, too. It can be testimonies. So just want to make sure that you guys are aware there's a lot of ways to communicate with the church. So um, as we look at Lamentations, uh, it is five chapters, and uh, each chapter is kind of a different song. It's a different uh, focus. And so we're going to start on chapter one today. And uh, there's a couple of things that, you know, some people are asking me, well, why Lamentations? And then, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm good at asking questions too. I'm like, well, why not? You know, you know. <laughs> so uh, essentially, it's, it is a book in the Bible, so that's, darn, that's a pretty good reason. Uh, I did feel like I've been parking a lot on the New Testament. So I thought, well, we got to go to the Old Testament a little bit. And... Um, and then on maybe a more serious level, too, I felt that uh, when we learn to mourn in a godly way, I think it could be really effective, right? Uh, because uh, unfortunately, in, li in life, we're going to feel a lot of pain and suffering and things like that, right? And so we're going to mourn anyway. So why not, we, why not submit that mourning the way that God wants us to mourn and so that it's fruitful, right? And it, and it brings uh, godly results. And, um, and ultimately, uh, we're going we're gonna to see a lot of tough lessons here, but, uh, but this book of Lamentations is really uh, best understood in combination with some other books, too. And, um, and we'll kind of touch on some of those, but um, there's many, many uh, you know, books that kind of tie with it. So in this series, I do want to do a, a memory verse, and uh, really it's probably memory verses, and uh, we're gonna, it's going to be in Lamentations 3, even though we're talking about chapter 1 today. And it's going to be verses 22 to 24. So you can go ahead and put on the screen. I have been practicing it, so I'm not going to read the screen. So you guys can, 
I know Amelia will spot me out if, I, if I'm looking at the screen, okay? But so I'm going to read it, and if, if I get in one letter wrong, you guys can critique me, okay? So let me, let me start. So the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, right? His mercies never end. They are new. Oh, did I miss one? Oh, okay, good. Well, hey, well, you just got to go with me. Okay, so his mercies never end, or whatever the screen says. And then uh, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Right? The Lord is my portion, says my soul. And uh, therefore, I will hope in him. Right? So did I get it like 99%? Was it pretty close? Okay. So I missed the letter. Okay. We still, we got five weeks to learn this, right? And I'm, I'm doing that to you because I, I want to I memorize it myself, right? So I'm part of this. I'm a student just like you guys are. I'm a disciple follower of Christ. And so let's, let's break down that, that verse. So there's at no point when God stops loving us, right? And we see this over and over and over again in the scriptures. And so this is a great promise. It's a great hope. And then just in addition to his love, his mercies never come to an end. So not only is it his love, but his mercies, right? And then the next verse, go ahead. and uh, I'm going to pick it apart, all of us. So when it says they are new every morning, what is they? They is his mercies, exactly, yeah. And so this is where I might like, I might like another version translation, but, but they, his mercies, are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness. So who is the your in this verse? The your is referring to, to God, right? And so great is God's faithfulness. And, you know, his faithfulness is, it means that he never fails, right? He's always faithful. And one thing I'm always just astonished about is he has faith in us. Right? Like, I don't even have faith in myself, but God has faith in me, right? You guys come to those, those conclusions sometime? All right, let's go to the last verse again. So the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. And, you know, anytime we're looking at scripture, especially when the, in the Old Testament, uh, we want to tie this back to Jesus too, right, in any way we can. And, and, and really, Jesus represents all of those things, the steadfast love, his mercies never ending, right, um, and that they're new every morning, and then his hope. And, and in 1 Peter uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, we get that Jesus is our living hope. And so I just want to make some of those connections for you so you can see that um, tying the Old Testament to the new. Now, um, as we go through, I want to give just a little background on the, on the book. Um, so essentially, the book of Lamentations is written around a specific event. And so this event is the fall of Jerusalem, of, of Judah, when it's been taken over by Babylon. Okay, so historically, um, it's actually kind of time-stamped in, in the year 586 B.C. is when Babylon came over and, and took it. And so, you know, uh, it's, it's, an, it's a time of national tragedy. It's a time of Israel pretty much losing everything, right? They're losing their country. They're losing their sanctuary. They're, they're kind of losing their, com their covering from God. Right, so all this stuff is happening. And um, so it, it is really just a, a very sad time in, in the history. And so, uh, you know, the book of Lamentations is considered an epilogue of the story of Jeremiah, right, or the book of Jeremiah. And all that means is Jeremiah was working to prevent this from happening. Like he was preaching this message like, please turn back to God. Stop doing what you're doing. And even at the very end, he's like, okay, just surrender to the Babylonians. And they still wouldn't. They still wanted to go with the Egyptians. And they ended up getting you know, uh, taken over and, and those kind of things. 
And so, so it's, it's actually a very nice placement, the way we have it in our English Bible. Um, but what's interesting is in the, in the Hebrew Bible, it's, it's, it's different groupings. It's different orders. And so uh, just one thing I find interesting is the Hebrew Bible has kind of three different main groupings. And the first would be the law or the Torah. And essentially, that's kind of the same as what we have. It's just the first five books of the Bible. Uh, that'd be all about Moses. And then you have the prophets. That's another grouping. And that's where you find Jeremiah. Um, and then lastly, they have a grouping called the writings. And that's um, actually in the Hebrew Bible. That's where this book of Lamentation falls in. So it's kind of in a different place, different order. Uh, it's not really right or wrong, but it's just interesting, right, that they're different. <laughs> so I, I, um, I do like the way that we placed it in the English Bible. Now, uh, these laments, they are poems, as we said before, and, uh, and songs. And so when you think about that, a poem or a song, does that make you think of any other books in the Bible that might have songs in them? Psalms, exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> so there is a correlation to that, right? There's a connection. But what's unique about Lamentations is it's strictly, um, you know, sorrowful songs, right? It's mourning songs. But when it comes to, and we're going to see some uh, good things, like the memory verse that we, we picked, Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. Those are really good things, right? Um, but I will say most of the other verses are um, about really tough subjects, and we're going we're gonna to walk through some of those things. Now, remember, this is the book of Lamentations, so if we cry for five weeks, it's because that's what God wants us to do. I don't know if that's what was going to happen. <laughs> but I will say there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, tough stuff we're going to go through in this. Um, but you know, in the end, it is, it is healthy to mourn. And uh, what I also want to do, too, is you know, as we talked about connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament, there are connections with, um, with Jesus in this as well. And so just some examples about that is, uh, I don't know if you guys remember when Jesus was around his disciples, he, he, he asked them, he says, hey, who do the people say that I am? And do you remember some of those answers that he gave? He said, well, some say you're a prophet, right? Some say, uh, and, and they named the prophets too. They said, oh, you could be Elijah or you could be Jeremiah, right? And so when we think about just that connection specifically, so we kind of have this, this connection of the people seeing what Jesus was doing and just relating to that to Jesus, right? And so you might ask yourself, well, why is that, right? I mean, for one, Jesus did function as a prophet. I mean, he was more than a prophet, but he functioned that way. And, um, but, you know, there's a, uh, Jeremiah kind of goes by the, you know, one of the ways he's described as a weeping prophet. And so, you know, that's somebody who cries a lot, right? And, and he had a very tough ministry. I mean, I'll tell you, if I was Jeremiah trying to do his ministry, I probably wouldn't have lasted all 52 chapters. I might not even made it past the first chapter because he had a long, tough ministry that he had to go through. And so he wept, but he wept for the people. He wept for Israel. He wept for the sin. They wouldn't listen, right? The disobedience. And Jesus uh, himself, he also, there's in the scripture, he had, he had, he had wept over Jerusalem. You know, he, he just said, as I would, you know, I'd love to gather as, um, as a mother chick would gather her hands. And the, in the one, you know, connection, again, I want to leave with you tonight is, the, is that Jesus is our hope. And we talked about that already in, in 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 3, that he's our living hope. So um, because I really want to hammer this memory verse into you, <laughs> we're going to uh, go ahead and put it on the screen. I'm not going to read it again so you can tell me how close I get to 100%. So uh, remember our memory verse, Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never end. <laughs> I don't feel confident about that one. His mercies never end. And then go ahead and go to the next one. Um, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, 
says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Okay. So, you know, I want you guys to take time reading. And um, I was actually very encouraged. Bill told me that he read through Lamentations already before he came in. And I said, well, I hope you learn something tonight. Right? I hope you can kind of see some of the other stuff. But I want to encourage you guys to read each, uh, each chapter each week. You know. And if you want to be like Bill, you can read it every day or you know, how often you read it. But read the whole book. It's not that, it's not that long. Um, you know, and, and some of the other things, these are more just kind of structural. Remember, we said there's five chapters. There's five poems. Um, and for the most part, they're all 22 verses. So we're going to go through the 22 verses today in chapter one. Uh, chapter three happens to be an exception to that. Uh, there's 66 verses. Um, and it's, it's an interesting style, too. They call it a acrostic, where uh, the first verse starts with like a letter of the Hebrew alphabet and then goes on through all of them. And so, uh, so it's interesting um, the way that's done. And of course, there's always an exception, right? You know, uh, with chapter three, they take three verses instead of two. And then chapter five, it breaks that mold, too. But, um, but each week, we're going to kind of go through each one of those. And then uh, I did tease you a little bit about the other books in the Bible that it's connected to. So uh, we did say that Jeremiah is tied to it. Um, the other thing that you'll find that's uh, also tied to it is um, Jeremiah was contemporary with some of the other prophets. And that would be people like um, Daniel, people like Ezekiel, and then people like, uh, well, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, so if you guys remember the book of Daniel, what happened to, in, to him? Babylon had taken over. And when Babylon takes over, what do they do? They take the best of the best. And that's where uh, Daniel and his friends were taken because they were young, strong, smart, good looking, right? All the good qualities. And then when Babylon uh, would take over, they would leave, um, let's just say, the less desirable or the common folk to stay home and do, um, you know, take care of the land, but then they would be ruled over. But they would take the best of whatever country they were taking over and bring them in, train them in their ways. And that's where we see the book of Daniel, right, is uh, we see all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we've already talked about Psalms, right? There's songs in there, so there's uh, connections there. Uh, it's also very much tied to Deuteronomy, too, in terms of um, you know, what God said is, you know, live this way, obey me, and you get, you get blessed. If you decide to live your own way in sin, then you're going to fall under curse, right? And so Deuteronomy is a big, strong connection. And then uh, Job is actually another uh, relation as well. And I think you guys know Job is a very tough book. But what's, one thing that's mainly different about that is it's, Job is more of a, it's, it's very uh, personal, right? It's like one family. But here in the book of Lamentations, we're talking about a whole nation. Right? We're talking about everybody in Israel. And, um, and what's really tough, too, with Job, um, I think you could say that his, his, his sin was pride. But when it comes to Israel, it was very obvious. You know, they, <clears throat> they were not doing excuse me, uh, what God had called them to do. And so uh, you know, when it comes to lamentations, they're reaping the, the consequences of their actions right? for being rebellious, for worshiping other gods. And then uh, another book, too, if you, uh, again, if you want to read more, in, um, is just about the temple. And I happen to be in 1 Kings, uh, reading through that right now in, uh, in my daily reading. And in chapter 6 and 7, you're going to find where Solomon builds a temple. And this is estimated to be around 966 BC, uh, around that time. But I think just something for us to, you know, to be aware of is uh, that was when the temple was first built. And then here we're talking about 586 so not exactly 400 years, but in, the, in that ballpark is when um, you know, Israel is taken over, Judah's taken over, and uh, the temple is destroyed. So, OK, so those are just some kind of the big, the big pictures. <clears throat> so um, let's go ahead and look at some of the scripture. So I'll, we'll go uh, right to, to 
uh, chapter one, verse one. And so as we read, I want you to, to kind of see the imagery because it's, it's a poem, it's, it's poetry. It's, it's meant to be, uh, some of the scholars say this book is meant to be felt. Like we're gonna, we wanna read it with our heart. Right? We wanna see the emotion, we wanna see what's being uh, displayed here. So in verse one it says, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who is great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. And so I hope you can see this, the contrast there, right? What is the difference between a, a city that was um, full of people and then now it's lonely, right? And so they're, they're, they're doing both of those. And then uh, as she became a widow and um, when she was great among the nations. And then instead of being a princess, now she's become a slave. And in verse two, she weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks among all her lovers. She has none to comfort her for all her friends have dealt treacherously with her and they have become her enemies. Um, and one thing too, I want you to know as, as we're going through this, I want you to pay attention to what words you, that they kind of keep coming up because right? you'll see a pattern of some of these words. And so we're talking about weeping, right? Which is obviously uh, lamentations, um, is, is to be sad, to cry. And there's, there's a thing that, uh, there's just a sense that she has none to comfort her. Now, um, you know, this may be obvious, it may not be, but this, the city of Jerusalem is being uh, personified as a woman, right? That's kind of what we're getting here. So you're gonna see a lot of female references and it's, it's to the whole, the whole city, uh, the whole nation, if you will. And in verse three, it really uh, kind of encompasses it. It says, Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place for her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Um, so exile, that's a, that's a big, important word in this situation. So uh, with exile, um, I had to look it up because I don't use that word very often, but it basically means you're taken out of your nation or you're not allowed to go there, right? And, and as we just talked about, Babylon took over Israel and Jerusalem and brought them to Babylon, right? Took them out of their land. And, um, you know, this, uh, the, I think there's just a little good history here, if, if, you, if you recall. The very first king of Israel was Saul, right? And then um, there's kind of a lot of messiness that happens, but essentially the second king is King David, right? And then after that, still some more messiness happens, uh, but then the third king is King Solomon. And King Solomon did an awesome thing where he prayed for God's wisdom, right, to rule uh, his people well. Uh, yet somehow he still made mistakes, right? And one thing that he did was uh, he ended up getting uh, involved with women. And I'm, when I say women, I mean lots of women, like way too many, right? Like in the neighborhood of a thousand women. And, um, and so God had said, okay, well, at this point, Israel's no longer gonna be one, but it's gonna be two, right? You have the Northern Israel, and then you have the, you have the Southern part, which is considered Judah. And so uh, the reason this is uh, important for us to understand is they both, had, they both had struggled with having kings that would honor God. And eventually the Northern Kingdom would be taken over, uh, but they would be taken over by the Assyrians and uh, you know, earlier than Judah would be. So Judah would be the last man standing, so to speak, right? And so we're talking about Judah being in exile. And so now that with Judah being taken over, now the whole country has been lost, right? It's been taken over by uh, foreign nations and things like that. And, and again, we have this, this imagery of that we don't have a resting place and that they've been overtaken. And it's not just um, you know, the city that's being personified, but it's also the roads here too. In verse four, it says, and the roads to Zion mourn 
for none come to the festival. And so like in our modern day, we, if we saw the freeway was empty, we would say, hey, something is wrong, right? Like there's, you know, usually it's a parking lot, right? You gotta sit there and wait for all the traffic. But there is something going on when the roads are empty because nobody's coming. All her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her virgins have been afflicted, for she herself suffers bitterly. So, you know, I was, I was thinking about uh, just how, what, how could we relate that today to, to something that, you know, has gone on. And, and, you know, this year Christmas fell on a Sunday, which was, which was pretty cool, but it was also weird too, right? Because we're not used to coming to church on Sunday. Uh, or, well, we are used to coming on Sunday. Excuse me. Uh, but we are, uh, but it, when it's Christmas Day, we're like, oh, okay, we could just stay at home, celebrate Jesus' birthday there. But we got to do it as a church, right? Um, and so, you know, my family's like, oh, great, let's go out to, out to, you know, lunch or something. And as you know, a lot of places are closed, which is really, um, it's really awesome. And so I just went to the local shopping center over here, and it was really weird because there was, like, no cars in the parking lot, right? And I think it was windy, too, so there was, like, tumbleweeds, you know, blowing through the, the parking lot. So it was like a ghost town almost. But there was a restaurant open, and guess what kind of food it was? It was Chinese food, and it tastes really good because that's the only food you can get anyway, right? But I do like that place. But it's just, it's just like that. It's, it feels very strange when something is alive and well, and it's just silent, right? Like it's just dead of activity. And that's what they're experiencing here, is the city has just con, uh, just completely collapsed. In verse uh, 5, it says, And her foes become the head, and her enemies prosper, because the Lord has afflicted her. For the multitude of her transgressions, her children have gone away, captives before the foe. Now, I don't know if you see this, but the enemies are prospering. And who is the cause? Who's being called out here? It's saying that the, it's the Lord who's, who's afflicted, right? And so there's some, uh, you know, some accusations being made, but it, and, um, and, and I believe they're accurate. They're saying that this is God's hand that's working. In verse 6, it says, From the daughter of Zion, all her majesty has departed. Her princes has, have become like deer. Uh, excuse me, her princes, yeah, not princess, princes, have become like deer. They find no pasture and they have fled without strength before the pursuers, excuse me. And again, we just like when we saw the princess turning into slave, now the prince has no strength, right? It's just everything is the opposite. It's what we, what we don't want. And in verse 7, it says, Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all of the precious things that were hers from days of old, when her people fell into the hand of the foe, and there was none to help her. Her foes gloated over her, and they mocked her, at her downfall. So we really see kind of a pattern of, of weakness, right? Of enemies being stronger, right? Of, of being taken over, of losing the battle, of being weak. And, you know, when I was studying this, uh, one of the things I came across was it was talking about as Christians and really as we can sin, like what, it, what sin does. And again, there's so much that we can cover here. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that was interesting is, uh, do you guys remember uh, D- you know, King David, a great man of God, a man after God's heart, uh, but he did sin, right? He made some serious mistakes, and, and one of those was, on, was in adultery, right? And, um, and he, his prophet, Nathan, called him out on it, right? And, and David was humble enough to not you know, use his king's authority and take him out. Um, but he, he realized, I sinned against God. And, um, and what's interesting, in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, uh, Nathan tells him, you know what, you, you are forgiven, but you need to understand the impact of your sin. 
And so he, he actually did get a, um, really from that point on, his life was very tough, especially in his family, right? There's just so much that came from it. But one of the points that uh, Nathan made is it says, he said that when, you, when we sin like that, we give reason for the enemies of God to blaspheme God, right? And so another way to say that is, as Christians, when we purposely sin, um, it's almost like we give fuel to the fire. We give people reason to ridicule Christians, right? To make fun of God and to, you know, to talk bad about God. And so that's, um, and so how it reads in, in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, and this is the New King James Version. It says, however, because of this deed, what, Dan, uh, what David had done with Bathsheba, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, right? And so we ruin our witness. We actually give fuel to the enemy, right? Fuel to people who don't believe in God. And so uh, that's, that's one of the impacts of sin. Now, as we go on to verse 8, and it says, Jerusalem sinned grievously. So it's talking about the whole city has sinned. Therefore, she became filthy. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. Um, now, what I like here, this is, is kind of a confession, right? It's, it's, a, we, it's saying we did sin, right? As a city, we have sinned. It's, it's really been bad. And when we take responsibility, then we can't blame God, right? We can't say, God, this is your fault. No, it's, it's really our fault, right? We made this choice. And, you know, when it comes to sin, what are the results of that? Is it makes us feel filthy. It makes us be despised, right? It makes us groan and turn away. And they're gonna, he's going to continue to give us some more imagery in verse 9. And her uncleanliness was in her skirt. She took no thought of the future. Therefore, her fall is terrible, and she has no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. You know, when it comes to, to sinning and, and, um, and, you know, getting away from God, it kind of robs us of, of hope. It robs us of thinking of the future, right? We kind of think, like, like, this is hopeless. It's never going to change. And that's what they're depicting there. And it says, therefore, her fall is terrible, and she has no comforter. Um, and why is that, right? Because God is the one that brings comfort. But if we're going to other things besides God, then we're not going to find comfort, right? Because those things don't, don't provide comfort for us. In verse 10, it says, uh, the enemy has stretched out his hands over all the precious things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary for those whom you forbade to enter your congregation. All her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. For the th- uh, excuse me, for these things. Oh, sorry, I, I um, got the wrong place. For these things, um, I'm despised. And and you know, I think this is kind of a we're getting to a low of the low because they had treasure, they had a lot of money, but now it's almost not good. It takes almost everything they have just to get bread, right? Just for the basic necessities. So these luxuries, they're, they're used to having in excess, but now they, they don't even have enough, right? Like it's, it's been dwindled down. And, you know, one thing that's, that's interesting, you know, in the Bible, there's also, uh, you know, if you like it, there's war strategies, right? There's things how people attack. And, and one of the things they would do there for, for Babylon is if they didn't have to fight, they would, they would um, save their resources, right? And so one way that you defeat someplace is you, you kind of starve all of their supply chains, right? If they can't get food into the, 
into the city, all you got to do is occupy around the city. And at some point, those people are going to run out of food, right? They're going to get hungry. And, and so you know, they're experiencing that, right? They're saying, look, I, I have money, but all I, can, all I can use it for is to buy bread because it's so expensive. It's so scarce, right? We can't find it. And um, so they're, you know, they're, they're suffering through that. And in verse 12, it says, is it nothing to you? All you who pass by, look and see, is there any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger? And, you know, they're basically saying, hey, does anybody notice what I'm going through? Right? I'm in a bad, bad place, but it doesn't seem like anybody cares. And verse 13, from on high he sent fire into my bones. He made it descend. He spread a net for my feet. He turned me back, for he has left me stunned faint all the day long. My transgressions were bound into a yoke. By his hand they were fastened together. They were stuck, uh, excuse me, they were set upon my neck and he caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. The Lord rejected all my mighty men in my midst and he summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden on a wide press, the virgin daughter of Judah. And in verse 16, for these things I weep, my eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. And so we continue to see weeping. We continue to see a, a desire for being comforted, right? And they, they are just not comforted. Uh, they're desolate. And, you know, it, it talks about the children being disciplined, excuse me, desolate. For the enemy has prevailed. And, you know, this is one of those things I think is just a really tough part of life is that kids, they, they suffer from their parents, right? Or they benefit from their parents. Or maybe they suffer and they benefit from our parents, right? And so that's, that's true for all of us. Whatever we do, uh, we influence our kids, right? And, um, and that could be in a good way, and it could also be in a bad way. And, and the unfortunate thing is what has, what has the kid done except just been there, right, and just received? In verse 17, Zion stretches out her hands, just reaches out and says, there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. In verse 18, the Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you people and see my suffering. My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. Now, in verse 18, we don't want to miss this. I, I believe this is a key verse. This is declaring that the Lord is right. And all this stuff that's happening, right, we're, we're giving God, um, you know, what, what's really true, that he is right. And then they're, they're taking ownership, that they have rebelled. It's not just God's doing things because he wants to, right? It's doing because we have rebelled, and, and so he's a just God. And so they're confessing, and I think that's uh, very important for us. Uh, we got a couple more verses. Verse 19, and I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priest and the elders perished in the city while they sought food to revive their strength. And again, we see another pattern here where Jerusalem or Israel, it's reaching out, but it's not reaching out to God. Because when it says, I called to my lovers, but they deceived me, that would be they're calling out to people, right? They're calling out to Egypt. They're calling out to whatever they can, they can do to call out to, but they're not calling out to God. And because God is the only one who can comfort us. 
And in verse 20, look, at, look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me. Because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves. And in the house, it's like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard my, of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought it. You have brought the day you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let their evil doing come before you, as you have dealt with me because of my transgressions. My groans are many, and my heart is faint. So hopefully you can see all of the painful imagery that's been communicated here, right, in this poem. And, and really, a lot of this is it's all tied to the sin that was being, that was being done. And, and, um, and you might be asking, well, how could, how could they be so bad, right? Like, these are God's people. How could they suffer all of these things? What is, you know, what is going on here? Why, why would God let bad things happen to good people, right? Isn't that a, a question you hear a lot? Isn't that something that you think about, right? And I, would just, I just want to pick that apart a little bit. Uh, because sometimes our questions, they're, they're kind of biased. They're kind of, from a biblical standpoint, I don't know if they're you know, on the money. And the reason I say that is uh, when we say good people, what does that really mean? Who's really good, right? What does good people mean, right? And I think, well, I think what we would like to say is we fit into the good people you know, category, whatever that is, right? But ultimately, you know, when it comes back to the Garden of Eden, uh, when that first sin happened, we all inherited that sin nature, right? And so on our own, we're not good, right? We need God's presence, right? We need his sacrifice, his salvation. But in the end, even, even when we're saved, are we perfect? Do we stop sinning, right? You know, and so, so this whole concept of good people, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just want you to wrestle with that a little bit. So when we ask those questions, I just want you to think, is that the right question? You know, because we, we might be saying, well, you know, is God just? Is he letting these things happen? Well, let me just touch a little bit on, on what uh, Jeremiah was preaching to them. And this is Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 10. And it says, and this is God speaking to Jeremiah. He says, and when you tell this people all these words, and they say to you, why the Lord pronounced all this great evil against us, what is our iniquity? What is the sin that we've committed against the Lord our God? And in verse 11, it says, and you shall say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me declares the Lord. And they have gone after other gods and have served and worshiped them. And they have forsaken me and not kept my law. And because you have done worse than your fathers. So not only were the fathers bad, the, the kids actually took it to the next level. For behold, every one of you follows his, uh, his stubborn evil will, refusing to listen to me. Therefore, I will hurl you out of this land into a land that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods day and night, for I shall show you no favor. Right? And so he's calling out specifically, listen, you guys are disobedient. And so much so, I'm going to have to take you out of the land. And, you, and still, you might be thinking, well, God's a forgiving God, isn't he? Right? He's patient. And I'll say, um, you know, I, maybe this is a bad phrase, maybe even too patient. Right? He gives them many, many, many chances. But you know, as I've been studying this, and as I've been looking, looking at it, just trying to figure out what is going on with the people of Israel, right? Why are they not getting it? Um, you know, and, and it seems like they were elevating other things above God, right? And maybe, maybe presuming upon him. And so they, it would be things like, well, they are God's chosen people, right? 
They are Israel. God chose them, rescued them out of Egypt, as Pastor James leading us on Sunday, right, with Moses. They are God's chosen people. So that, that is, that's important. But if that's all we have, that's not enough, right? And so they do have the church, right? They have the temple. And again, you know, Solomon built this wonderful temple. But if all of our hope and our faith is in the temple, that's still not enough, right? And so they were kind of elevating those things in place of a relationship with God. And on top of that, you know, we just read they were pursuing other gods. They were doing things that did not represent God, right? And so God, being a just God, he has to let them live out the consequences of their choices, right? He's, he's given us his word, right? He's given us, in Deuteronomy, he's given us the, uh, the Ten Commandments, right? All of that stuff. And he's given godly leaders, right? He's given a clear direction. But he's saying, if, if you still choose not to follow me, then this is what's going to happen. And, and he, he calls out specifically, I'm going to hurl you into another land, right? And that's exactly what Babylon did, is they, they came, exiled them, and took them to another land. So, you know, these are, these are really tough, uh, you know, things that he went. But basically the whole point of that is, it seems like God's very gracious and all that, right? He's very patient. He's saying, look, this is the way to go. Okay, you went the wrong way, come back. <laughs> oh, you went the wrong way again, okay, come back. Okay, now um, you're trusting in all this worldly stuff. You're not even trusting in me. So now I have to let you suffer the consequences of your sin, right? And, well, but why does he do that? Does he just want us to suffer? No, that's, you know, that's never the goal, right? God is not wanting us to suffer, just to suffer. He's wanting us to understand how great he is how wonderful our relationship with, with him can be, and he wants to bring us back. Because at some point, that, that suffering, that sorrow, um, we can turn our hearts back to God, and then it can, it can shape us, right? This mourning that we go through is not wasted. So as I was uh, preparing for this message, I, I wanted this to be, uh, in some way, something that could be relatable, something that could be maybe a testimony, something that we've gone through. And so as I was preparing for this message, uh, I wasn't intending to, so hopefully this is from God, but I did weep on Monday. And so I felt like I'm supposed to share with you why I wept. And, you know, again, it's not, uh, I didn't weep over the nation. Maybe I should. <laughs> I didn't weep over the church. Maybe I should do that too. Um, but I want to just tell you just a personal testimony that I experienced this week. And, and this is, uh, something that I think you guys are, are familiar with if you've heard me speak for a while. Uh, but my mom, you know, she's, she went through, a, you know, like a, a serious health condition, and uh, she's bedridden, right? And so we've been praying that she would walk, and, um, and she's still not walking. But, um, but I, do, I do believe that she's making steps towards God. She's, she's getting better in that way. So I do feel like uh, she might be spiritually walking, even though she, maybe she's not physically walking. Um, but I will tell you, this has been many, many years. And so, again, just being plain and honest with you, um, I've gotten tired of praying for it, right? I've been, I've been getting, um, uh, you know, where I, you lose faith, right? You just, you just don't think anything's going to change. And so, and it's so much so that I'm, it's actually affecting my heart, right? Like when I go there, I'm kind of like, I get angry, right? I get, like, it disturbs me. It, it takes my peace away. And again, I'm confessing with you because uh, I think I'm supposed to. But I also want you to know I'm nowhere near as good as a Christian as you think I am. <laughs> you know, I do, try to, I do try to do my best. But I think um, being honest is, is most important, right? And so, uh, and here's, here's really uh, what I want to get to with all this story is um, this Monday, which is the same day that I, I had wept, is uh, she actually had gotten out of her bed into a wheelchair 
and she had stayed in a wheelchair for about eight hours. Uh, and then, you know, again, the, the circumstances really are not important, but, um, but I still wasn't happy. Now, you might be thinking, I've been praying for this for many years, and that's a great improvement, right? Would, would you guys all agree? This is a great step in the right direction, but still my heart was wrong, right? My, still my heart was bad. And so when it, when it comes to weeping, like especially in this lament book that we're, that we're, we're going after, we do want to weep for the things that have been lost. But I do think there's, there's the holiness of God, too, that can bring us to tears, that can bring us to weeping. And, and this, is, this is why I wept is I said, God, you know, I, I'm, I'm really sorry that I can't even appreciate that you are answering my prayers and my heart's in the wrong place. He just, you know, he just gives you that moment that, hey, look, I am God and I am holy and you're a person, right? I mean, I love you, but you're, you're not God, right? And, that, and that's just kind of what I felt like he was saying. So it was a little bit of a come to Jesus moment. Like the way that you're thinking about this situation, the way that you're letting your heart go astray is way off course, right? I feel like God has shown us the path. He's shown me what I'm supposed to do, but I'm still allowing my sin and my nature to drive me in a different direction. So, um, you know, so for what it's worth, I hope that speaks to somebody. But we can, we can lament in a holy way that brings us back to God, right? Because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to have a relationship with us. And when we go astray, he wants to bring us back. Okay, what I want to do is um, I want to go ahead and close us in prayer. We're going we're gonna to do our questions and get in our groups. And then, of course, we're going to do our memory verse, too, because we've got to keep doing that thing, right? Okay. So let me close us in prayer, and then we'll, we'll touch about uh, some of the questions. So dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this book of Lamentations. Um, it is so rich. There's so much in there that's going on. And, and Lord, I do pray that we would take every bit of it away that you want us to take away from it. And Lord, ultimately, I pray that we would draw closer to you, um, that we would realize that you are in control as we, as we sang. You are sovereign over everything. And your love is for us. It's good. It's everlasting. And so, Lord, I do pray that uh, just you would bless our time together as we speak um, as a group. And, Lord, you would allow us to continue to um, just look at your word with fresh eyes. It would continue to speak to us and shape us. And so, Lord, wherever in our lives where we need to confess to you, where we need to mourn, I pray, Lord, that you would just put your finger on that. You would allow us to, uh, to mourn in a healthy way, in a godly way. And, um, and Lord, if, if we are in a season where things are just really, really good, I do pray that uh, we would just be blessed and we would praise you. So, Lord, it doesn't, doesn't mean that we all have to, to cry and weep. Uh, but, Lord, for those of us that need to do that, Lord, I pray we would be uh, courageous enough to do that with you. So, Lord, we thank you for this time, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's stick that memory verse up again. Uh, one more time. And it's the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Right? His, um, his mercies, uh, I want to say endure forever, but I know that's not right. They come to an end. <laughs> uh, and they are new every morning. Right? Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Right? Therefore, I will hope in him. All right, so as we... Uh, go into our groups. Here's the questions that I, I would like us to discuss. And this one is, um, is a common one, um, but I, I, wanna just, I want you to share what stood out to you today. What, do you, what was God speaking to you today? What, do you, you know, what are you going to take away from this uh, first chapter tonight? And then uh, I want us to be a little creative and maybe uh, insightful and uh, just contemplating. And so if, if the prophet Jeremiah was here today 
and he was going to write a lamentation you know, about the church, right, or about our nation. What, what might he write about? Right? What, where, where may he say we're, we're, we're going astray? And then, um, and then if, there, if time allows, in your opinion, what has the church lost? Is there something that the church has lost that God wants us to, to get back? Um, and so in this, in this time, we'll go ahead and break into our, our small groups. And for those who have joined us online, thank you for joining us on, online, and we'll uh, see you next week. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into our groups. Um.